0: Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from the words of Charles Spurgeon, a message of his called True Prayer, True Power. This was delivered August 12, 1860 at Exeter Hall in Strand in England. It is based on Mark 11:24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. We covered some of the points uh, that he says ought to happen. He, he wants you to look at the text first in dealing with prayer here, this particular text. He wants you to have a earnest desire and a firm faith. And now he says, let's mount one step higher, uh, together with definite objects, fervent desire, strong faith, in the efficacy of prayer there should be, and oh may divine grace make it so with us. There should be mingled a realizing expectation. We should be able to count over the mercies before we've got them, believing that they're on the road. Reading the other day in a sweet little book, which I would commend to the attention of you all, written by an American author who seems to know the power of prayer thoroughly and to whom I am indebted for many good things, a little book called The Still Hour, I met with a reference to a passage in the book of Daniel, where, as he says, the whole machinery of prayer seems to be laid bare. Daniel is on his knees in prayer, and Michael, the archangel, comes to him. He talks with him and tells him that as soon as ever Daniel began to set his heart to understand and to chasten himself before God, his words were heard, and the Lord had dispatched the angel. Then he tells him, in the most business-like manner in the world, I should have been here before, but the prince of Persia withstood me. Nevertheless, the prince of thy nation helped me, and I am come to comfort and instruct thee. See now, God breathes the desire into our hearts, and as soon as the desire is there, before we call, he begins to answer before the words have got halfway up to heaven while they are yet trembling on the lip knowing the words we mean to speak he begins to answer them sends the angel the angel comes and brings down the needed blessing why the thing is a revelation if you could see it with your eyes some people think that spiritual things are dreams and that we are talking fancies nay I do believe there is as much reality in a Christian's prayer as in a lightning flash. And the utility and excellency of the prayer of a Christian may be just as sensibly known as the power of the lightning flash when it rends the tree, breaks off its branches, and splits it to the very root. Prayer is not a fancy of fiction. It is a real, actual thing coercing the universe, binding the laws of God themselves in fetters, and constraining the High and Holy One to listen to the will of His poor but favored creature, man. But we need always to believe this. We need a realizing assurance in prayer, to count over the mercies before they are come, to be sure that they are coming, to act as if we had got them, when you have asked for your daily bread, no more to be disturbed with care, but to believe that God has heard you and will give it to you. When you have taken the case of your sick child before God, to believe that the child will recover, or if it should not, that it will be a greater blessing to you and more glory to God, and so to leave it to Him. To be able to say, I know He has heard me now, I will stand on my watchtower. I will look for my God and hear what he will say to my soul. Habakkuk 2.1 Were you ever disappointed yet, Christian, when you prayed in faith and expected the answer? I bear my own testimony here this morning that I have never yet trusted him and found him fail me. I have trusted man and have been deceived But my God has never once denied the request I have made to him when I have backed up the request with belief in his willingness to hear and in the assurance of his promise. But I hear someone say, may we pray for earthly things as opposed to spiritual things? Aye, that you may. In everything, make known your wants to God. It is not merely for spiritual, but for everyday concerns. Take your smallest trials before him. He is a God that heareth prayer. He is your household God, as well as the God of the sanctuary. Be ever taking all that you have done and all that you need before God. As one good man, who is about to be united with his church, told me of his departed wife, oh, said he, uh, she was a woman that I could never get to do anything until she had made a matter of prayer of it. Be it what it might, she used to say, I must make it a matter of prayer. Oh, for more of this sweet habit of spreading everything before the Lord, just as Hezekiah did Rabshakeh's letter, and there leaving it, saying, Thy will be done. I resign it to thee. Men say Mr. Muller of Bristol is... "'irrationally devoted to religion "'because he will gather 700 children "'and believe that God will provide for them, "'though there is nothing in the purse. "'He is only doing what ought to be "'the commonplace action of every Christian man. "'He is acting upon a rule "'at which the worldling always must scoff "'because he does not understand it, "'a system that must always appear weak "'to judgment of sense.' Not upon common sense, but upon something higher than common sense, upon uncommon faith. Oh, that we had that uncommon faith, to take God at his word. He cannot and he will not permit the man that trusteth him to be ashamed or confounded. I have thus now, as best as I could, set forth before you what I conceive to be four essentials A prevailing prayer. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, number two, look about you. First was to look at the text, and now second, look about you. Having thus asked you to look at the text, I want you now to look about you. Look about you at our meetings for prayer. Look about you at your private intercessions and judge them both by the tenor of this text. First, look about you at the meetings for prayer. I I cannot speak very pointedly in this matter because I do not honestly believe that the prayer meetings that are usually held among us have far less of the faults which I am about to indicate than any others I have ever attended. But still, they have some of the faults, and I hope that What we shall say will be taken personally home by every brother who is in the habit of engaging publicly in supplication at prayer meetings. Is it not a fact that as soon as you enter the building and enter the meeting, you feel the case of many praying men, to speak hardly perhaps, but I think honestly, the case lies in having a good memory, to recollect a great many texts, that always have been quoted since the days of our grandfather's grandfather, and to be able to repeat them in good regular order. The gift lies also in some churches, especially in village churches, in having strong lungs so as to be able to hold out without taking breath for five and twenty minutes when you are brief and three-quarters of an hour when you are rather drawn out. The gift lies also in being able not to ask for anything in particular, but in passing through a range of everything, making the prayer not an arrow with a point, but rather like a nondescript machine that has no point whatever, and yet is meant to be all point, which is aimed at everything and consequently strikes nothing. Those brethren are often the most frequently asked to pray, who have those peculiar and perhaps excellent gifts, although I certainly must say that I cannot obey the Apostles' injunction in coveting very earnestly such gifts as these. Now, if instead thereof some man is asked to pray who has never prayed before in public, suppose he rises and says, O Lord, I feel myself such a sinner that I can scarcely speak to Thee, Lord, help, help me to pray, Oh, Lord, save my poor soul. Oh, that you would uh, save my old companions. Lord, bless our minister. Pe- be pleased to give us a revival, oh, Lord. I can say no more. D- uh, hear me for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, then, you feel somehow as if as if you had begun to pray yourself. You feel an interest in that man, partly from fear lest he should stop. Also because you are sure that what he did say, he meant And if another should get up after that and pray in the same spirit, you go out and you say, This is real power. I would sooner have three minutes prayer like that than thirty minutes of the other sort, because the one is praying, the other is preaching. Allow me to quote what an old preacher said upon the subject of prayer and give it to you as a little word of advice. Remember, The Lord will not hear thee because of the arithmetic of thy prayers. He does not count their numbers. He will not hear thee because of the rhetoric of thy prayers. He does not care for the eloquent language in which they are conveyed. He will not listen to thee because of the geometry of thy prayers. He does not compute them by their length or by their breadth. He will not regard thee because of the music of thy prayers. He doth not care for sweet voices or for harmonious periods." neither will he look at thee because of the logic of thy prayers, because they are well arranged and excellently comparted. But he will hear thee, and he will measure the amount of the blessing he will give thee according to the divinity of thy prayers. If thou canst plead the person of Christ, and if the Holy Ghost inspire thee with zeal and earnestness, the blessings that thou shalt ask shall surely come unto thee. Brethren, I would like to burn the whole stock of old prayers that we've been using this 50 years. That oil that goes from vessel to vessel. That horse that rushes into the battle. That misquoted mangled text where two or three are met together. That would be in the midst of them and, and bless them. And and all of those other quotations that we have been manufacturing and dislocating and copying from man to man. I wish we came to speak to God just out of our own hearts. It would be a grand thing for our prayer meetings. They would be better attended, and I'm sure they'd be more fruitful if every man would shake off that habit of formality and talk to God as a child talks to his father, ask him for what we want, and then sit down and have done. I say this with all Christian earnestness. Often, because I have not chosen to pray in any conventional form, people have said, That man is not reverent. My dear sir, you are not a judge of my reverence. To my own master I stand or fall. I do not think that Job quoted anybody. I don't think that Jacob quoted the old saint in heaven, his father Abraham. I don't find Jesus Christ quoting scripture in prayer. They did not pray in other people's words. They prayed in their own. God does not want you to go gathering up those excellent but very musty spices of the old sanctuary. He wants the new oil just distilled from the fresh olive of your own soul. He wants spices and frankincense, not of the old chests where they've been lying until they've lost their savor. But he wants fresh incense and fresh myrrh. Brought from the offer of your own soul's experience, look well to it that you really pray. Do not learn the language of prayer, but seek the spirit of prayer, and God Almighty bless you and make you more mighty in your supplications. Now I have said, look about you, I want you to continue the work and look about at your own closet, your prayer closets. Well oh, brethren and sisters, There is no place that some of us need to be so much ashamed to look at as our closet door. I cannot say the hinges are rusty. They do open and shut at their appointed seasons. I cannot say that the door is locked and cobwebbed. We do not neglect prayer itself. But those walls, those those beams out of the wall, what a tale might they tell. Oh, the wall might cry out, I have heard thee when thou hast been in so vast a hurry that thou could scarcely spend two minutes with thy God. And I have heard thee too when thou wast neither asleep nor awake and when thou didst not know what thou wast saying. And then one beam might cry out, I have heard thee come and spend ten minutes and not ask for anything. At least thy heart did not ask. Thy lips moved, but the heart did not ask. The lips moved, but the heart was silent another beam might cry out, Oh, I have heard thee groan out thy soul, but I have I have seen thee go away distrustful, not believing thy prayer was heard, quoting the promise, but not thinking God would fulfil it. Surely the four walls of the closet might come together and fall down upon us in their anger, because we have so often insulted God with our unbelief and with our hurry, and with all manner of sins. We've insulted him even at his mercy seat, on the spot where his condescension is most fully manifested. Is it not so with you? Must we not each confess it in our turn? See to it then, Christian brethren, that an amendment be made and God make you more mighty and more successful in your prayers than heretofore. And then finally, look above. Look at the text, look around you and And then look above. Do not detain you. I I don't want to detain you any further, but the last point is to look upward. Look above. Christian brothers and sisters, and when you do, let us weep. O God, thou hast given us a mighty weapon, and we have permitted it to rust. Thou hast given us that which is mighty as thyself, and we have let that power lie dormant. Would it not be a vile crime if a man had an eye given him that he would not open? Or a hand that he would not lift up? Or a foot that grew stiff because he would not use it? And must we say of ourselves, when God has given us power in prayer, and yet that power lies still? Oh, if the universe was as still as we are, where would we be? O God, thou givest light to the sun, and he shines with it. Thou givest light even to the stars, and they twinkle. To the winds thou givest force, and they blow. To the air thou givest life, and it moves and men breathe thereof. But to thy people thou hast given a gift that is better than force, and life, and light, and yet they permit it to lie still, forgetful almost that they wield the power, seldom exercising it, though it would be blessed to countless myriads. Weep, Christian man. Constantine, the emperor of Rome, saw that on the coins of the other emperors Their images were in an erect posture, triumphing. Instead thereof he ordered that his image should be struck kneeling. For, said he, that is the way in which I have triumphed. We shall never triumph till our image is struck kneeling. The reason why we have been defeated and why our banners trail in the dust is because we have not prayed. Go! Go back to your God with sorrow. Confess before him, ye children of Ephraim, that you were armed and carried bows, but turned your backs in the day of battle. Go to your God. Tell him that if souls are not saved, it is not because he has not power to save, but because you have never travailed, as it were, in birth for perishing sinners. Your bowels have not sounded like a harp for care. Haresh, Isaiah sixteen eleven. Neither has your spirit been moved, because of the defences of the tribe of Reuben. Wake up, wake up, you people of Israel! Be astonished, you careless ones, you who have neglected prayer, you sinners that are in Zion's own self, and that have been at ease. Wake up yourselves, wrestle, and strive with your God, and then the blessing shall come, the early and the latter reign of His mercy. And the earth shall bring forth plenteously, and all the nations shall call him blessed. Look up then, and weep. Once more look up and rejoice. Though you have sinned against him, he loves you still. You have not prayed unto him, nor sought his face, but behold, he cries to you still, Seek ye my face, and he saith not, Seek ye me in vain. You may not have gone to the fountain, but it flows as freely as before. You have not drawn near to God, but he waiteth to be gracious still, and is ready to hear all your petitions. Behold, he says unto you, Ask of me of things to come concerning my sons and daughters. Command ye me. What a blessed thing it is that the Master in heaven is always ready to hear. Augustine has a very beautiful thought upon the parable of the man who knocked at his friend's door at midnight, saying, friend give me three loaves his paraphrase of it runs something like this i knock at mercy's door it's the dead of night will not some of the servants of the house come and answer me no i knock but they are asleep oh ye apostles of god ye ye glorified martyrs you are asleep you rest in your beds you cannot hear my prayer but will not the children answer? Are there not children who are ready to come and open the door to their to their brother? No, they are asleep. My brethren that have departed, with whom I took sweet counsel, and who were the companions of my heart, you cannot answer me. You rest in Jesus. Your works do follow you, but you cannot work for me. But while the servants are asleep, and while the children cannot answer, the master is awake, awake at midnight too. It may be midnight with my soul, but he hears me. And when I am saying, Give me three loaves, he comes to the door and gives me as much as I need. Christian, look up then and rejoice. There is always an open ear if you have an open mouth. There is always a ready hand if you have a ready heart. You have but to cry, and the Lord hears. Nay, before you call, he will answer, and while you are speaking, he will hear. Oh, be not backward then in prayer. Go to him when you reach your home. Nay, on the very way, lift up your heart silently. And whatever your petition or request may be, ask it in Jesus' name, and it shall be done to you. Yet again, look up, dear Christian brethren, and amend your prayers from this time forth. Look on prayer no longer as a a romantic fiction or an arduous duty. Look at it as a real power, as a real pleasure. When philosophers discover some latent power, they seem to have a delight to put it in action. I believe there have been many great engineers who have designed and constructed some of the most wonderful of human works, not because they would be remunerative, but simply from a love of showing their own power to accomplish wonders, to show the world what skill could do and what man could accomplish. They have tempted companies into speculations that could never remunerate, apparently, so far as I could see, in order that they might have an opportunity of displaying their genius. O Christian men, and shall a great engineer attempt great works and display his power? And will you, who have a mightier power than ever was wielded by any man apart from his God, will you let that be still? Nay, think of some great object, Uh, Strain the sinews of your supplications for it. Let every vein of your heart be full to the brim with the rich blood of desire and struggle and wrestle and tug and strive with God for it. Using the promises and pleading the attributes and see if God does not give you your heart's desire. I challenge you this day to exceed in prayer my master's bounty. I throw down the gauntlet to you. Believe him to be more than he is. Open your mouth so wide that he cannot fill it. Go to him now for more faith than the promise warrants. Venture it. Risk it. Outdo the eternal, if it be possible. Attempt it. Or, as I would rather put it thus, take your petitions and wants and see if he does not honor you. Try whether if you believe him, he doth not fulfill the promise and richly bless you with the anointing oil of his spirit by which you will be strong in prayer. I cannot refrain from adding just these few syllables as you go away. I know there are some of you that never prayed in your lives. You've said a form of prayer perhaps many years, but you've never prayed once. Ah, poor soul, you must be born again. Until you are born again, you cannot pray as I've been directing the Christian to pray. But let me say this much to you. Does your heart long after salvation? Has the Spirit whispered, Come to Jesus, sinner, he will hear you. Believe that whisper, for he will hear you. The prayer of the awakened sinner is acceptable to God. He heareth the broken in heart, and healeth them too. Take your groanings and your sighs to God, and he will answer you. Ah, but one says, I I have nothing to plead. Well, but plead as David did. Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. You have that plea. Say, for his dear sake, who shed his blood, and you shall prevail, sinner. But do not go to God and ask for mercy with thy sin in thy hand. What would you think of the rebel who appeared before the face of his sovereign and asked for pardon with the dagger sticking in his belt with the declaration of his rebellion on his breast? Would he deserve to be pardoned? He could not deserve it in any case, Surely he would deserve double his doom for having thus mocked his master while he pretended to be seeking mercy. If a wife has forsaken her husband, do you think she would have the impudence with brazen forehead to come back and ask for pardon, leaning on the arm of her her lover? No, she could not have such impudence, and, and yet it is so with you, perhaps asking for mercy and going on in sin. Praying to be reconciled to God, and yet harboring and indulging your lust? Awake! Awake! Call upon thy God, thou sleeper. The boat is nearing the rock. Perhaps tomorrow it may strike and be shivered. Thou be cast into the unfathomable depths of everlasting woe. Call on thy God, I say. And when thou callest upon him, cast away thy sin, or he cannot hear thee. If thou lift up thy unholy hands with a lie in thy right hand, a prayer is worthless on thy lip. O come unto him, say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, love us freely, and he will hear you. And you shall yet pray as prevailing princes, and one day shall stand as more than conquerors before the starry throne of him who ever reigns, God over all, blessed for evermore. Amen. Charles Spurgeon, the true prayer and true power. Thank you for being with us today and for taking time to listen, to share the good things of the Lord. We have over 3,000 audios. If you just look around this site, you'll see a whole bunch of other things. I won't keep you now telling you all about it. But you look and you see. I think you'll be blessed with some other things there. Anyway, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. And this audio is being released on January 9, 2023. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.